Om Namo Narayanaya, and welcome back. Today we are reading the Sarva Sara Upanishad. So this Upanishad starts off with a handful of questions, and then goes into, I believe, answering those questions. What is the bondage of the soul, known as Banda? What is Moksha? What is nescience? What is vidya, or knowledge? What are the states of waking, dreaming, dreamless street, sleep, and the absolute? What are the sheaths of the soul known as anamaya, planamaya, manomaya, vijnanamaya, and anandamaya, koshas? What is the agent or karta, and what is the jiva, the individual self, and what is the knower of the body, known as kishatrajna? And who is the witness, known as sakshi? And who is the eternal ruler, known as antarayaman? What is the inner self? What is the supreme self? What is the and also Maya. The master of self looks upon the body and such like things other than the self as itself. This egoism is the bondage of the soul. The cessation of that egoism is liberation, known as moksha. That which causes the egoism is nescience. That by which this egoism is completely turned back is vidya, or knowledge. When the self, by means of its four and ten organs of sense, beginning with the mind and benignly influenced by the sun and the rest which appear outside, perceives gross objects such as sound, etc., then it is the wakeful state. When even in the absence of sound, the self not divested of desire for them experiences by means of the four organs, sounds, and the rest of the form of desires, then it is the state of dreaming. When the four and ten organs cease activity and there is the absence of differentiated knowledge, then that is the dreamless state. When the essence of consciousness, which manifests itself as the three states, is a witness of the states, but is itself devoid of the states, positive or negative, and remains in the state of non-separation and oneness, then it is spoken of as Turiya, the fourth, or the absolute. The aggregate of the six sheaths, which are products of food, is called the Anamaya Kosha, the Alimin Mentary sheath. When the fourteen kinds of vayus, beginning with the prana, are in the alimentary sheath, then it is spoken of as the pranamaya kosha, the vesture of the vital airs. When the atman united with these two sheaths performs, by means of the four organs, beginning with the mind, the functions of desire, etc., which have for their objects sound and rest, then it is called the Manomaya Kosha, or the mental sheath. 
When the soul shines, being united with these three she's, and is cognizant of the differences and non-differences thereof, then it is called the Vijnanamaya Kosha, or the sheath of intelligence. When these four sheaths remain in their own cause, which is knowledge, or Brahman, in the same way as the latent Banyan tree remains in the Banyan seed, then it is spoken of as the Ananda Maya Kosha, or the casual frame of the soul. When it dwells in the body as the seat of the idea of pleasure and pain, then it is the Karta, the agent. The idea of pleasure is that which pertains to wished-for objects, and the idea of pain is that which pertains to undesirable objects. Sound, touch, sight, taste, and smell are the causes of pleasure and pain. When the soul, conforming itself to good and bad actions, has made a link of the present body with its past body, and is seen to be effecting a union, a connection, as it were, with the body not yet received, then it is called the jiva, the individual soul on account of its being limited by upadis. The five groups are those beginning with the mind, those beginning with the prama, prana, those beginning with the sattva, those beginning with the will, and those beginning with merit. The ego possessing the attributes of these five groups does not die without the knowledge of the ever-attained self. That which, owing to its proximity to the self, appears as imperishable and is attributed to Atman, is called the linga charya, the subtle body, and the heart's knot. The consciousness which manifests itself therein is called the knower of the kshetra, or the kshetrajna, and the kshetra is the body. He who is the cognizer of the manifestation and disappearance of the knower, knowledge, and the knowable, but is himself devoid of such manifestation and disappearance, and is self-luminous, is called the Sakshi, the witness. When being perceived in an undifferentiated manner in the intelligence of all beings, from Brahma down to an ant, it resides in the intelligence of all beings, then it is called Kutashtha. When standing as the means of realizing the real nature of the Kutashtha and others, which are differentiations by virtue of possessing limiting adjuncts, the Atman manifests itself as an interwoven in all bodies, like the thread through a string of jewels. Then it is called the Antayaman, the internal ruler. When the Atman shines forth absolutely free from all limiting adjuncts, brilliant as the homogeneous mass of consciousness in its nature of pure intelligence and is independent, then it is spoken of as the entity of Thou, and as the Pratyagatman, the inner self. That which is Satya, the reality, Jnana, knowledge, Anatta, the infinite, and Ananda, bliss, is Brahma. The reality, or Satya, is indestructible. That which, when name, space, time, substance, and causation are destroyed, dies not, is the indestructible. And that is called Satya, the reality. And jhana, knowledge, that essence of intelligence which has no beginning and no end, spoken of as jhana. And anatta, the infinite, remaining in the same manner as it does, 
clay and all modifications of clay, as gold and all modifications of gold, as thread and fabrics of thread, the antecedent, all pervading consciousness, that is in all phenomena of creation beginning with the unmanifested, that is called the infinite. Andananda, bliss, the essence of the consciousness of happiness, the ocean of measureless bliss, and the state of undifferentiated happiness is called bliss. That of which the above fourfold nature is an indication and which is permanent in all space, time, substance, and causation is called the entity of that, Paramatma, Supreme Self, and Parabrahman, or the highest Brahman. Distinguished from the entity of thou, possessed of attributes, as well as from the entity of that, possessed of attributes, that which is all-pervading like the sky, subtle, whole by itself, pure existence, the entity of art. Self-luminous is spoken of as the Atman. The entity of not that also is spoken of as Atman. That which is beginningless, fruitful, open to both proof and disproof, neither real nor unreal, nor real unreal, non-existent when, because of the immutability of its own substratum, the cause of change is ascertain, existent when it is not so ascertain, thus that which is undefinable is called maya. I am neither the body nor the ten senses, booty, mind, ego. Without prana and mind, pure, I am always the witness, pure consciousness, surely. I am neither the doer nor the enjoyer, only a witness to prakriti. But my presence, body, function, as alive, still eternal, ever joy, pure. I am Brahman to be known from all Vedanta, yet unknowable like sky and air. I am neither form nor action, only Brahma. I am not body, birth, death do not come to me. I am not prana having no longer thirst and hunger. I am not mind, have no grief or delusion. I am not the doer, have no bondage or release. And thus ends the Sarva Sada Upanishad. My apologies for what I thought was going to be an easy read and turned into a very difficult read. And I put that down to the translation um, without any... This is translated by Swami Madhavananda and... This is not written in an easy way, and if you look at it, the paragraphs are just one clump. It is very hard to digest what this is saying, and I, it's a problem I have with a lot of Upanishads. They are almost impossible to read. If you do not speak English and you're working through this, oh my goodness. This is, this is not... If there's someone out there who wants to work and rewrite these <laughs> into... English, which is digestible, please do. I did a few of them. I, there's a few videos here. I did three of them, and then I just didn't really have the time um, to keep going, because it's, it's not easy, because you want to make sure the translation's good, but it, it seriously is needed. So, when digesting something like this, I'm going to tell you my thoughts of what you should do. Take a piece of paper and outline it. And I don't mean outline like you could bullet point it. That would probably be good. So if you have a word like, what is bandha? Okay, what is bandha? You can put it in parentheses, bondage of the soul. And then put the definition and it says below, blah, blah, blah. 
But the other thing is, is so many ideas are connecting here, particularly at the point where it was talking about the different sheaths. Do, uh, uh, you know, arrows and, okay, here's this. Now, this leads to this, and this leads to this, and this goes here. That's what I would do. I'd literally chart it out, turn it into a chart. And I think suddenly this would make so much sense. You actually already, if you're into religion, has already have already heard things in this. You've heard the that thou art, not that. Many of these phrases are probably familiar to you. Um, so there's a lot here that I think would click once you chart it out. That being said, this is a really thick, full of information Upanishad that says so much about liberation. Um, there's so much here. Uh, it's very dense, and it's too bad that it's written in a way that makes it almost too dense to understand, because it is it is literally a, a short treatise on um, the sheaths of the body and, and liberation that's just like, boom, textbook. Right here. You, you want to know what it... You get it. So it, it's well worth studying. On the other hand, maybe you're like me. You just want to read the Upanishads. You want to find out what they say. And and knowing all the details and studying this is just not what you're feeling pulled to. You just want the words, and, and you're left a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> like I'm feeling, that's okay too in my book, because at least you're reading it, and I feel like you're honoring God by reading it, and you're digesting it. I read something here, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, I've already read about this in the Shira Bhagavatam. And so something, actually, it was another video I said that in, where suddenly I read one thing, and then something else kind of made more sense. So by reading your, I am maybe not getting every idea, but I, I'm getting this big picture and this vision of God, and, and it's, and there is value in reading, even if you don't, if you don't get every word. And so many people just don't read this at all. So my view is, if you just read it, you're already doing more than most people. Uh, so, yeah. Anyways, your turn to comment down below if you want anything you want to say. Uh, and uh, if you have suggestions on how to study this, that would be great for those who want to take it to another level. Your turn, comment, like. All those things. And with this, I will say, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Rama Hare.